doing a rolling start on this one welcome in everybody <laughs> uh to the second episode of the new year we are a regular monday cubs podcast now at this point i don't see any other way for us to be uh it's this is not a rebuild and we are still sitting and waiting and hoping and pulling out hair in clumps because there hasn't been a significant move from the cubs to this point Although, I want to pause and say the whole gang is here. I'm Matt Trueblood from NorthsideBaseball.com. We've got DJ, we've got Todd, we've got Tom. And if any of you want to do a deep dive on Brian Servin, go ahead. The floor is yours. Uh, Scott Service, is that what you said? <laughs> close. Very close. Close. Okay. Close-ish. Brian Servin. And I, honestly, I'm going to be real honest. He is the only player that they've added to their 40-man roster all offseason. And I'm not sure I got his first name right just now. Wow. Holy shit. He's on this 40-man roster? Marley yeah. Catcher. Why is he on the 40-man roster? Because he's that good. I guess we can always just boot him, right? Exactly. I mean, there have – in the winter, you guys remember this, although we, we sort of forget it and have to relearn it each year. In the winter, there is a constant cycle of guys going through waivers. And this is as unshielded a scoop him up so we can try to pass him through waivers in another week and a half when maybe people's rosters will be a little more full and, you know, he'll sneak through and then he's ours and he's not on the 40-man roster. That's the goal. Um, teams do that with lots of players every winter, but this is one of those where that's really almost the only reason they claimed him. They'd love to have him as minor league non-roster depth. I don't think there's any way he makes it to the big to the opening day of MLB, even though he won't be on the roster. I don't even think he'll be in AAA on the 40 man. They'll have either lost him on waivers again or waived him at some point to get him through it and off the 40 man, but still in the organization. So it's a nothing. It's it's no real move, which makes it fit in nicely with all the other moves of the winter but i will say brian servin coming from the rockies probably knows the new catching coach whose name strip matter strip matter yeah yeah one with all the t's so i'm sure there's a connection there there's no reason any of us should care about it but it is the thing that jed has given us to care the most about so far this winter so Eat your hearts out. So I, the one thing I was wondering about is, has, has Judd come out and said anything? He's like, okay, guys, calm down. Here's the plan. So mm-hmm. earlier I Googled Jed Hoyer interview. And the first thing that pops up is episode 36 of the show from January 31st of 2023. So apparently nobody's talking to Judd. No, um, I mean. So what the hell? I mean, I understand. <laughs> I understand that it's it's not. I don't have any uh, financial interest in this company, 
Um, and I understand it's company, but I, I don't understand how we're supposed to give a shit when it comes down to, um, you know, the, we're, we're essentially shareholders in, in the Cubs because we choose to put our money towards it or don't. Uh, and if, a, you know, we talked about Pepsi before we came on the air. And if, if, if people who are, are worried about Pepsi uh, decide to pull their, their support, then Pepsi suffers, but we are stupid enough to not pull our support and, 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 and they know it. So they don't do anything and they don't even share that they are or, or not doing anything. Uh, I mean, I just, well, I'm, I'm just floored not only by the lack of, of, of uh, anything, but also the lack of any info. Well, as DJ pointed out too, the uh, Cubs convention is at hand. Can you imagine going to that thing? What is it? Friday that starts. Yeah. And they got nothing. There's no like Soriano coming in. There's no, you know, there's, there's nothing like in years past where we went, you know, there's all this excitement and maybe yeah. the new guys are there, maybe not, but we're all talking about them. I mean, the, you know, the questions that the management is going to get over and over again is how come you're not doing anything or how come it looks like you're not doing anything. You remember those the things where they bring the, and this was back at the old Hilton where they'd bring them out on the balcony and everybody like, Hey, they'd introduce, Hey, here comes Larry Bittner. Um, and everybody would applaud this year. It's going to be Jorge Alfaro and the place is going to go crazy. It's going to go nuts. Is it's going to be nuts. I'm not even sure he knows Todd. So, <laughs> well, and don't forget that picture that we got that I forgot about that. I don't know his name. So don't forget him. Who's mm-hmm. also a backup catcher. So <laughs> yeah. we got that. <clears throat> Extremely hypocritical of you to tell us not to forget him when you forgot him. And <laughs> there's going to be and hypocritical of me to only point that out because I can't remember who you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> there was a, a picture they signed like the same moment they got servant. Uh oh. but um servant? There better be stories that come <laughs> out from from Cubs convention. I mean, the writers better press. We better get some answers. I just, I, I, I don't know. I guess we don't matter. Right. But you, gosh, you'd think they'd try to tell us a little bit of this is kind of our plan. Um, and maybe I'm way off base. in thinking that, but does that not I, do that? Yeah. Do other places do that? Is I mean, the, the the Dodgers are saying, "Here's our plan. We want to kick everyone's ass." Um, does do other places say, "Here's our plan," or we're we're not? There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. It's kind of funny, and it makes me think of you know I've said in the past that we need a crazy billionaire to own this company. I think we might have an evil billionaire who's sitting there laughing and saying, "Let's see if we just don't do anything if they'll still buy shit," and I bet they will. How much leverage does he lose by coming out and saying we're interested in bringing Cody Bellinger back and we're going to continue engaging in conversations on a contract? Like, why is that a dollar question? And really the hundred million dollar question. And I think this is, there are two problems uh, that we are bumping up against what you guys are articulating. The frustration of not knowing is a result of two different phenomena that are related to each other, but technically distinct. One is that 
less of each team's revenue every year comes from gate receipts than ever. We've talked about this multiple times before on this podcast. The Cubs don't need to get people in the doors of Wrigley Field nearly as badly as Philip K. Wrigley did 60 years ago. It's mm. not even close. It's not even close to close. So they're not as incentivized by, you know, a, a pull factor and attraction to, to people having goodwill for them. It, it's just not as strong. Two, every GM these days, including and especially Jed Hoyer, is a, a he's not technically Ivy League, but, you know, very well educated management business background uh, strategic thinker. GMs 60 years ago, even 50, even 40. I mean, 35 years ago, guys, 35 years ago, right now, Hawk Harrelson was a general manager. Um, and that's how GMs <laughs> used to be. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's because GMs would talk freely with the press in that environment because those GMs knew what they were telling the press was really just advertising to get conversations started with other teams. You could say, I'm in a rebuild. And that would get you on the phone at some point, or it would get a guy to come to your suite at the winter meetings and chat you up and you could make deals that way. And there was not a lot of risk in information leakage because the information you had was what you and your scouts believed about ball players. You weren't trying to hide the ball or obfuscate or even haggle over money very much. Free agency had started by 35 years ago, but it wasn't like it is now. There were pretty much prices that people mostly agreed on. The stakes of the salary negotiation were lower. So nothing was quite as secretive. Nothing was quite as guarded. And, and the people doing it were not as insistent on getting the tiny advantages that come from from misleading people about your motivations or just hiding the ball a bit. So both of those things, teams don't feel like they need to tell us what they're doing as much anymore. And the people running the teams believe that they gain leverage and value by not telling anyone what they're doing anymore. So yeah, that stuff's going to continue and, and it'll change this weekend a little bit. We will hear something from Jed Hoyer and stuff floats around in the background and behind the scenes and we get rumors that you have to parse very carefully but if you do you can hear the truth of of what's happening the cubs are talking a lot to teams and to agents especially scott boris they've got active negotiations going on with scott boris for i've seen four reported names and i know of one more so i'll say at least five scott boris clients that the Cubs are actively talking about. But that doesn't amount to anything that we know. And Jed Hoyer doesn't want to tell anyone that that's what's happening because it only inches, it only makes Boris feel firmer on his feet and less willing to come even an inch toward the Cubs in the, the salary gap between the two sides on each of those players. So stuff is happening, but it doesn't add up to transactions. And that's where the, the maddening frustration comes from. But again, this this weekend, we're at least going to have a thaw in that because unlike most of the rest of the offseason, this weekend, Jed Hoyer has to talk to people. 
so we there's nothing that we can do so, so i mean they don't I, I i'm beginning to understand that they don't care much about uh gate revenue anymore what where is the revenue from the tv deals so every why do we team, not every team in major league baseball has 100 million dollars or so it's it's a little more actually between national tv deals local tv deals and uh other partnerships their their gross income starts at 100 million before a single turnstile turns not that turnstiles exist anymore but you know what i mean yeah so so how do yeah. we can 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 we somehow come up with some way to move the needle on and on cutting that revenue so how do we say to the world stop watching the damn stuff on television not to the world to cubs world they're not they don't give a shit about you all they want is for you to watch the games they don't and not they don't even care if you watch them all they want is for you to sign up for the for the tv for the what is it marquee mm-hmm. um that's all they want right yeah, I mean, they'd love that. But honestly, and every team has at least $100 million of insulation. Most have considerably more. The Ricketts have five times that because they also own a ton of real estate around Wrigley. What owners have quietly done ever since they got their asses kicked in the courts over, uh, uh, what is the word that is escaping me right now? Collusion. collusion. Over collusion and the 94 strike. They got their butts kicked and they said, okay, we need to find legal ways to completely firewall ourselves from the things that players are using as leverage against us in negotiations every time. And they just quietly went about that. It should, it's not moral. It's not ethical. I mean, billionaires shouldn't exist. I think we can all agree on that, but they do. And they're good at being billionaires and becoming multi-billionaires. And so they just went about their business and the way that the law leaves plenty of room for them to do. And now most teams really are completely, completely independent of us. They, they exist as a favor to us. They don't treat it, you know, they don't do it in a nice, you know, sort of generous way. But the fact that they don't just take their money and count it and care not at all about winning is purely a favor because they don't need much of anything, at least for the next, you know, they, they could behave exactly the way the Cubs are behaving so far this winter for a decade and feel no consequences. So actually they're doing us a favor by putting out this shitty team because I have absolutely no desire nor no intention right now to again sign up this year for uh, MLB TV or whatever hell it's called. Right. Uh, I, being in Northeast Wisconsin, don't see Cub games unless I pay out uh, to, you know, sign up for that and then and get them when they're not playing the the when they're not playing the Brewers. So they're giving me they're they're basically saying, hey, we're going to put this shitty team out there, so uh, because they don't care, uh, you know, they think I'm going to buy it anyway. Um, but why would I do that? That's just crazy. I can't. Uh, you know, they're probably going to sign. Tucker Barnhart or, or, you know, Joey Gallo or somebody like that. Um, and, you know, I'm supposed to get excited about that and pay money, but I just, uh, you know, I'm in the, I'm still in the DJ boat of not spending a dime on you people. 
well, I've said before, and I'll oh. say again, I don't think they're actually going to end up doing that. I think, you know, I, I exaggerate a little bit for effect. They don't have to care. They've made sure that they're completely insulated from, from the actual consequences of long-term losing. That, that doesn't mean they want to lose. And I do think they're going to end up making multiple fairly impactful additions to this roster over the next month, but it might be two months because Scott Boris seems to be in a particularly pugnacious mood. Um, so, you know, I, we'll see what they do, but I, I don't, I think even though we haven't seen anything above the surface yet, a lot is going on to try to make the 2024 and beyond Cubs better. But yeah, I mean, you can, everybody gets to make the choice for themselves. What I'm saying is these owners have done a very good job of making sure they're not going to feel any negative consequences from you, you making the choice of not supporting them, at least mm-hmm. in the short term. We talked a few episodes ago about how in the long term, baseball is murdering itself, but that's the really long term. Uh, so for now, just make whatever rational consumer choices you want. That's yeah. healthy. That's what we should all be doing anyway. It's just not going to have any effect on the rickets. I know, but it, it, it's trouble troublesome for people, Tom and my age, uh, because we, you know, we lived through a better time um, and you guys did too. But um, baseball is going to murder itself, probably not in my lifetime. So I'm going to see shitty shit like this until I die. And then for you guys, it's going to be baseball is just going to go away. Yeah, I mean, I think we we also just have to retrain ourselves a little bit. Like, we can spend all our time and energy being angry that a move hasn't happened yet. But it's going to feel like foolish wasted time in a month when three or four things have happened. Uh, I think while it's proper to be frustrated and even angry at the behavior of the mega rich in this country and in the world, and especially in baseball, because that's what we spend a lot of time focusing on, it, I don't know, it, it, it actually isn't ruining our experience of baseball except in so far as we allow it to. Now, a lot of Cubdom is allowing it to, and that's because Jed Hoyer is really abusing the privilege of of the Ricketts' position and his approach this particular winter. But I also think he didn't set out to do this on purpose. He just, he couldn't get uh, Shohei Otani. He couldn't or wouldn't uh, pony up what Juan Soto cost in trade. So then it made more sense to sort of sit back and play Scott Boris's game. It's Scott Boris who is deciding to make that game take a long time this winter, but he has that right. And so, you know, we'll see. I can tell you exactly what Jed Hoyer is going to say this weekend. Yes. Let's hear it. What is it? Any question about any free agent, he's going to say, well, you know, we're always looking to add value in every area we can. And if the value's right, we're going to pursue that. And it's going to be that same old cliche crap. We're going we're to get no good quotes out of it. But I bet the enjoyment we're going to get out of it is you're going to see visible frustration from him because he's going to want to say things and he won't. And that'll bring me a little bit of joy, I think. 
but that's going to be short term when I realize we still haven't signed Ballinger. And I think what we're forgetting is that even if we do go get Ballinger, that's great. Good job. You did that. We haven't improved from last year. We've yeah. Just, we've just gotten to maybe an 85 win team. I mean, we need to be better than an 85 win team. But maybe they've also improved organically in other ways, right? I mean, first That's half true. Nico Horner versus second half Nico Horner. The prospects who came up along the way, that kind of stuff. Um, I do think this, this team should get better naturally without external additions or subtractions from 23 to 24. But right now, they're a team without external additions and with subtractions. No Bellinger, no Marcus Stroman. So that at least has to be made up. And you'd like to see them more than make up for that because there are also going to be some guys who regress from what they did last year. We know that. Um, yeah. You know what I've been thinking about a lot lately is the 2022 trade deadline when they didn't trade Ian Happ or Wilson Contreras because it was just sort of a, a stare down and they felt like they weren't getting the value that they were demanding. And so basically Hoyer was trying to show everyone, I'm not going to blink just because you think I have to blink. I think over the next six weeks, we're going to find out whether that had any value or not, right? <laughs> whether holding on to Wilson Contreras and letting him go for just a draft pick after the season was worth it or not depends on whether over the next six weeks Hoyer gets a deal whether it's a free agent deal or a trade done at a price that it sort of feels like reflects the fact that people believe him when he says that he considers not doing anything an option he's really pushing that this winter but he first did it two years ago or a year and a half ago so we've seen how strong his resolve on that is, but I assumed at the time that a part of it was just to show everyone that he was willing to, was like throwing the elbow like Bill Russell did exactly once on national TV. Mm -hmm. Well, if he's, if he's actually unafraid to let opportunities sail by because they're not exactly in his, in his target range, that's going to turn out to be a problem. But I think, that that first one was posturing and we are going to see him make some plays over the next few weeks. It's just taken a really long time. That's part, know, of the, like, part of the problem with the narcissism of, of professional sports is that apparently he gives a shit or thinks we give a shit about how he does his job. Uh, we, we, he, he wants to show us that, Oh, I can, I can hold these guys off. Well, that's not what we want out of you, Judd. We want something. Something that's yeah. not that. But remember, you know, the other 29 GMs and most of the agents that he's dealing with, Boris is actually sort of unique. He's more, uh, he comes from the competitive background. You know, he's a former Cubs farmhand. Um, but most of the people he's, engaging with the people he needs to beat in these negotiations whether they're for trades or free agent deals 
are way, way smarter than a generation ago, and they're playing the same game he is. He can't just opt out of it unless he wants to pay $100 million, not for Shota Imanaga or Jordan Montgomery, but for Jack Flaherty. You know, unless he wants to just be the fool that everybody picks on it and gets their value from, he can't just decide not to do the same dance that everyone else is doing. Uh, again, he's doing it in a more extreme way than a lot of these people. So I'm not excusing every choice he's made. It's just, he can't, I don't think he's doing it to show that he's smart. I think he's acknowledging that the people he's playing the game against, the game of baseball off the field, are smart, a lot smarter than they were when Hawk Harrelson was running the White Sox. So he's got to be, he's got to meet that, intensity and that willingness to you know the brinksmanship and the the stuff that isn't as fun for us to watch but you know if our particular team opted out of that it would be frustrating for us in the longer run i mean it feels a lot like his approach is a, a player that is forced to play because of his contract but he's mad that he didn't get a bigger contract so he's out there but he's not really trying all that hard, but he's performing his duties and that's never good for the team. So I'm failing to see how this is going to be good for the team. Yeah. Well, it depends on if that's really his dynamic or not, or if we just feel that way again, because we can't see under the surface of the, the Cubs operation. Uh, I think there's a lot of activity going on. We can see the roster though. Yeah, yeah, that's something that's yeah. visible and 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 shows what's going on, where a lot is not going on. Well, and I've said this too. I said it just today about the Cubs. I said it a couple of months ago when the Twins, for whatever reason, practically announced that they're reducing payroll for next year, coming off the season in which they finally broke their playoff win drought. Um, I think teams don't understand how much fandom is now a year round thing. Whereas again, 35, 40 years ago, you were a sports fan and you could be a really devoted baseball fan, but for most of November, December, January, February, you, you watch football, you watch basketball. You read the one story a week that popped up in the paper about the local nine and you mm-hmm. waited for spring training. That's not how things work now. And if you choose to do something like the great silence of the Cubs winter or announce that you're going to reduce payroll because it's a reality and you want to prepare your fans for it and you want to make sure your front office knows the parameters of their job for the winter, that's going to come with a cost because now fans are engaged, especially because baseball is more, isn't America's pastime anymore. It's, if you are a baseball fan, you're more likely to be more focused on baseball to the exclusion of other sports. So you pay attention to it all year round. You talk about it on social media. You consume podcasts. You read obsessively about, you know, whatever. Um, in that climate, you can't just opt out of the off season, basically, and say, well, as long as we win 95 games, everything will be okay. Yeah, people will be happy at the end of that, that six months. But for the other half of the year, including the window during which people make decisions about things like whether to buy MOB.TV or whether to buy season tickets, people are going to be pissed off at you. I don't know why 
teams aren't understanding that, but they're not. They really yeah. aren't. I, I don't think that part has sunk all the way in for a lot of teams and general managers. So it is less fun to be a fan of Jed Hoyer's team than to be a fan of Jerry DePoto's team. Even if Jerry is a little bit crazy and makes some bizarre moves, at least he's like constantly looking for the next move. And some of them can be really fun. He's constantly looking to get better, which we talked about in the past. And we don't seem to be looking to get better. We seem to be looking to maintain the budget or whatever the hell it is. I don't even know if we're looking. <laughs> yeah. I really, if I can just convince you guys of this one thing, they are looking, they are trying. And it's, I know that it, it doesn't do anything for us on the outside, but there is activity under that lot. Can't be trying that hard because on this on this uh, free agent list, Billy Hamilton is right there, ready to play center field for us. <laughs> yeah, he is. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. And um, I mean, if they can get Nico Horner to hit forty homers, I don't know why Billy can't hit twenty. <laughs> so that's right. If they juice he, the ball, it could happen. DJ said it's forty-five this year too. So yeah. It might be a might be a juice ball here. You never know. We are uh, inside seventy two hours until Shota Imanaga has to make up his mind, um, and the Cubs are not out on him. So it's possible that by the time the convention comes, instead of getting asked a whole lot of tough and uncomfortable questions, Jed Hoyer just gets to talk about Shota Imanaga all weekend. I thought. So we I guess we're out on him. Bet he's just praying for that, isn't he? I think he probably is. There have been reports that the Cubs are out. There have been reports that literally everyone who's been in on him is out. Uh, it's it's a strange market. There's, uh, again, some stuff happening under the surface there. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting few days. Uh, there was a moment when people thought his market was going right past $100 million after we saw what Yamamoto got from the Dodgers. I I feel pretty comfortable saying that's not going to happen at this point. Uh, it depends on the final form that the deal takes, but it's not going to be a $100 million deal, except maybe if you count the posting fee. Even yeah, then, like there's a pretty good chance it's lighter than we expected. Although for and we'll see. And if, if they sign him, he's going to be a catcher for the Smokies, Tennessee Smokies, right? They can't get enough catchers. So yeah. the fact that he's left-handed should not stop them from giving it a shot, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does the posting fee fit in the cap? It doesn't. That's a good question because it's important. Uh, doesn't count toward the cap at all. So, so that, that only it, helps rich teams. I don't get that. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's it's money. I don't know. It's just one of those things that is collectively bargained. And it's a place where the big market teams would balk if when NPB came to MLB, I think it was five years ago now, and said, this current posting fee system sucks for us. If you want us to continue to post players you know, relatively in their prime and you get access to the best talent of our leagues, if that's what they want to do, 
we want a friendlier fee, a friendlier system that gets us bigger posting fees. That is what happened. There had been a hard cap for a little while at $20 million. Well, the Dodgers are paying 52 million or something to Yamamoto's team. So that's the, the difference in scale that has happened here. When that change happened, big market teams who already were accepting over the last two CBAs much heavier penalties on spending above the luxury tax thresholds, we're not going to also say, yeah, and go ahead and keep that posting fee onto our CBT number. Uh, it just was one thing too many going against the big market teams in favor of the small market ones. So instead, it doesn't count against your CBT number. It's just extra money that you'll have to, you do have to spend it up front. So even a team like the Dodgers who saved all that money because Otani's deferring his contract. Well, between signing bonus and posting fee, they're giving Yamamoto $100 million in the next 12 months. Well, not half of that going to him and half to his team in Japan, but yeah. Anyway. And then, uh, do, they, and then do they say, does that Japanese team say thank you? <laughs> or are they still bitter that he left? I mean, it's kind no, of weird. I mean, the posting fee is still, or the posting system is still voluntary for the teams involved. <clears throat> they Now, there is a point that you can reach. I think it's, I don't remember, because this this moved to when the, cha- the posting system changed. But there is a number of years you can play in NPB makes you a an international free agent able to peddle your wares outside the posting system a lot of teams willingly and sometimes even eagerly post their guy one or two or three if if that's what they ask years before they would hit that point a because they get a bunch of money for losing the player it's like a transfer fee in international yeah. soccer uh, and B, because that engenders goodwill with both MLB and that player and any future great players that they want to recruit, draft, sign, bring along. Um, the Nippon Ham Fighters were Otani's team. They had to coax him into signing out of high school. He was going to just go to the Dodgers as a teenager uh, and skip Japanese baseball altogether. They convinced him to sign by saying they would post him when he was 22 or something. And then they did. Uh, Cause it's just the way you, you know, you ensure that top talent is going to want to come to you is giving them the opportunity they want. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think they well, all feel pretty good about it at this point. Do you think if he could go back, and redo it, he would have picked the Angels. Oof. Uh, probably. He doesn't... I, I have not seen... I've heard a lot about, but I have not seen his uh, documentary on Disney+. Plus. Have you guys watched that at all? Mm-mm. I didn't know. No. Yeah. He's, it's a very, he's dead to me. <laughs> yeah. It's a very last dance kind of thing, where like, Otani had total control over the process, so you're not going to learn anything he doesn't exactly want you to learn and or feel anything you don't he doesn't want you to feel about him. 
Um, but he seems thoughtful and sort of reflective, but not like he he basically said he picked the angels because that was what his gut told him to do. And I think he really values the way that Joe Madden sort of took all the restrictor plates off and let him do what he's done, what he did for the last three years while he was with the angels. And I think he's aware that a lot of the other teams who might've been interested in him would not, or could not have done that for him um, at least as soon or in the same way. So I think he would still pick the angels, but I'm sure, you know, there's a reason he didn't go back to the angels too. It was frustrating ultimately that they didn't go anywhere. I wonder what that does to baseball, uh, baseball fans in Japan that some of their very best players leave. I mean, can you imagine 10 years ago when trout was emerging as maybe the best player ever and he left Mm-hmm. And you know, Mookie Betts left. I, I wonder what that does to Japanese baseball. I mean, it's not it's not mm-hmm. a whole lot of players, but I wonder what the critical mass would be where it just kind of kills uh, big league baseball over there. I've been thinking about that a lot too, because it's it's something we can't quite relate. Like I I kept sort of trying to put myself in the same mindset. Like, what if the next Lionel Messi, Messi came from the United States. But then I realized it's not the same at all. Yeah, he would go play in the Premier League, but we wouldn't miss him as much because we're the U.S. and soccer is the fourth biggest sport here. I mean, I know technically it's grown past that, but it's not. Mm -hmm. All those sports that America thinks of as its primary thing, it the league that everyone wants to go to in the world is our league. Um, It must be very strange to be a a country where your guys want to, you know, if they make it far enough, if they're good enough, they go play somewhere else and you can only watch from afar and you can pick a favorite team. All of Japan just picked the Dodgers as their favorite team for the next 50 years. But (laughs) it's sort of arbitrary, you know, you're not, you don't have any actual grounded loyalty to Los Angeles. You're just rooting for this guy who willingly abandoned you from thousands of miles away. I think there's a a parallel in college basketball. Uh, The transfer portal crap is, is uh, basically making it, it's the wild west out there. I mean, you don't see the same uh, people on the team, even for, two years, let alone four, uh, before they transfer off to somewhere where they're going to get a better deal for their image likeness crap, um, which, great, we need to understand that that is something that they need to be reimbursed for. But it's the point now where they're basically the minor leagues of professional basketball, uh, and you, you don't have a chance to uh, to connect yourself to a player because they're going to be gone. Uh, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, they just change every year. Illinois is, is a good basketball team this year, uh, but they've got at least three uh, that I can think of, if not four, uh, people who are there just for this year because they are wow. playing playing their fifth year of ed- eligibility 
uh, where they played one guy I know played two years uh, at Syracuse, two years at Oregon, and now is playing uh, in Illinois. Another guy played four years at Southern Illinois and is playing his last year at Illinois. Um, it's you know you don't have a chance to uh, to become a fan before they're off to squeeze more money out of the schools. And it it again, you know, I I'm I just I'm such an old curmudgeon. It that again pisses me off because uh, these are a lot of these places are state universities that are funded by taxpayer dollars, and we are giving these guys uh, uh, scholarships to go to school for free, and then they go off and do it somewhere else. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just being old. Yeah, I mean it's they're obviously you're not supposed to agree when I say I'm just being old. Well. That yeah, isn't well. even what I was agreeing with, but it is obviously yeah. true. Um, anyway, uh, it's obviously different from the dynamic of being a baseball fan in Japan, but there is something related there. It's just, it's it's weird. I'm sure it, it must be really weird. And I keep trying to put myself in that mindset. And I it should be easier, I think, for me to, to find that empathy, but I... I don't know something about my very American brain. It just bends when I try to think of what if a player who played one of the sports that I grew up understanding as, as central to our society felt like they needed to go all the way across the world to, to play it at the highest level. Yeah. A Michael Jordan. I mean, wouldn't that be weird? I did. I did the one three Pete. Now I want to do a three Pete in Japan. Well, the, and the culmination of basketball, you know, I mean, imagine, though, I guess the really weird thing to me is Japan is so much more baseball crazy than we are. What it's really like is what if Patrick Mahomes was like, I've done everything I can here. Now I need to go to Turkey to play in <laughs> in, in the world's greatest yeah, so football league. Uh, the hard part to correlate is that there isn't that other league somewhere. no i know i know that, that's what i'm saying but it's like yeah can you imagine being among countries of of anywhere close to your size by far the most mad about a particular sport and then still not being still having to to ship off your your best in that sport to a country that values that sport considerably less less yeah yeah it's strange. I don't know. What a depressing episode. <laughs> <laughs> On the surface, it is. But under the surface, under the surface, where the Cubs are trying to sign a bunch of players and you and I are just bubbling along on Jordan Love vibes, everything's good. <laughs> it's great. Uh, anyway. Well, I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll wait just a second. Um, yeah. Hopefully I'll... I'll bolster your your happiness a little bit there dj um i'm planning in two weeks to have mount brushmore ready yes so i will have yes i I can't say that i can keep this to four um much like mount rushmore has four faces i don't know that i can stick with four the top four trees what's that 
can have crazy horse or what would the shrub or <laughs> uh, that's just one then i don't even think I, there's no way i could pull no, that no, off. No, then you'd get that other one you, know? you could have oh, four okay. and yeah. then there can be one tangentially related yes okay part. okay that's so, not quite finished yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they're working okay out. so i'll see what i can do so i'm gonna in two weeks i'm going to have mount brushmore uh ready for public uh dissemination all right well now we i don't even know what we're gonna do with next week's show all we're gonna be doing is sitting here just smiling at each other about how excited we are about Mount Rushmore. It'll be that, post and, uh, post Cubs convention, so hopefully those something. Even if yeah. it's just, did you see how embarrassed Judd was when yeah. he couldn't answer anything? We'll have to talk about all the fires and the riots, and um, <laughs> so that that'll probably take up a lot of the episode. I've decided, and I I was aware of it at the time but I've decided that I've been altogether too easy on you guys since we reintroduced this. Um, Don't go, don't go go late, late. It's we're, we're going, we're going tough, but also it's going to sound extraordinarily obscure. You can find your way to it, but you gotta, you gotta stick with it. Oh crap. All right. What's his number? (laughs) I haven't looked that up yet. I'll give he you that information no if you guys struggle early. <laughs> okay. We're looking for a Cubs swingman from 1986 and 1987. Whoa. He threw 210 innings for them across those two seasons with a forgettable 4.63 ERA. He went 9-14. and 14. He saved four games. And... He had 137 strikeouts and 71 walks. Wow. 1986 and 1987. Those are almost in my wheelhouse. They're good years for you and Tom. Not so much for DJ. Nope. He said a swingman, right? So started some, relieved mm-hmm. some. Yep. Right or left? Tell me. You might have told me, but I forgot. Big right-hander. Six foot six. Rick Sanderson. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. Um, Sanderson was pretty much a Sanderson, starter. A was he guess. there then? Yes. He was, but this is that's not who we're looking for. It's a good guess, though. Wow. Um, 87. Eckersley. He might have been gone by that. This Robert Herjavec? <laughs> yes, it is. Congratulations. He was. Uh, he is famous as a deal maker. He's famous as a deal maker. Drugs? No. Uh, eighty-six and eighty-seven oh. were the oh, last oh. two years. Of- yeah, yeah. It's um, it's say uh, it, Tom. It's a short name. It's uh. It's Matt's ancestor, uh, Ed Lynch. Ed Lynch. Yeah. It's Ed Lynch, the dealmaker thing. Because he, you know, what's weird is I thought of him earlier when you were talking about uh, Harrelson. Um, I I laid those breadcrumbs down for you. I I wanted to to pay homage to ex-ball players and the time when they were GMs. And uh, 
Yeah. Ed Lynch. Now, what did you call him, Todd? You said it's Matt's what? Ancestor. <laughs> so, not uh, Margie's family, Margie's uh, grandmother on her mother's side, uh, last name was Lynch. In fact, Margie's mother's name was, maiden's name was Lynch. Yeah. Real <laughs> Irish, Irish folks. Thought they were Scottish, but it's an easy, turns out, easy bit of confusion to suffer from. Yeah. Her grandfather was named, was, Referred to as Scotty, but turns out he was Irish. Anyway, Ed Lynch, uh, not a real good pitcher, not a real good GM, but he was both things for the Cubs. And uh, there you go. Seemed like a nice guy. Sure. Nice enough. I think Jim Hendry was a nicer guy. If we're going for, remember when GMs were nice guys who would (laughs) talk amicably to pretty much anyone, Jim Hendry was awesome at that. See, and Hendry, I don't know, maybe I'm remembering this uh, fondly, but he would just come out and say, here's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. And he was a deal maker. I mean, do you guys remember the moves? That oh, he yeah. Made? He drove me completely nuts with certain moves, John Grabo. Uh, <laughs> but... Just let it go, boy. Let it go. But that man was A, aggressive and opportunistic and B, good at making trades. I mean, the the Eric Karos and Mark Grudzelanic deal, yeah. uh, obviously the Aramis Ramirez trade. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's a good one. The guy knew what he was doing. Uh, so, anyway, not not meaning to completely run down Jed Hoyer. I'm leaving that to oh, the rest One more of thing. Years. I forgot to say this. When, when I Googled Hoyer... Uh, Jed Hoyer interview. I Googled that earlier, right? And you know how on Google, when you come up with a page, it says, uh, people also ask, and people also ask, what happened to Theo Epstein? <laughs> what happened when to him? The- Is he <laughs> gone? <laughs> when did Theo Epstein Literally. leave the Cubs? Yeah. Yeah. There's four Boy, questions, and two of them are about Theo. <laughs> In fact, you know, you know when they have people line up for the microphone at those panel events? This uh, at Cubs Con. Yeah, this weekend is just going to be a lot of people asking, uh, "What happened to Theo?" <laughs> <laughs> First of all, who's See? that guy next to you who kind of looks like Fat Theo? And secondly, <laughs> can he move aside and is Theo hiding behind him? <laughs> so Tom, maybe you and I should go and we just go out all these things and and go up to the microphone and say, "This question is for Theo." And just See, this is you know, waiting for someone to stand up and take the mic. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a like wildlife you live too. I mean, he accomplished a lot in what 20 years and then just dipped out. Yeah. All right, Peter. Uh, Never to be heard from again. He's alive. Is he's alive? Isn't he? Yes, of course he's alive. Yeah, but he doesn't want you to know he's alive. Because <laughs> he joined the MLB. Yes. He he's like he's living the life that uh Giannis has famously joked about where I don't know, a couple of years ago, they asked him what he wants to do when he retires. And he said um, he wants to be like Tim Duncan. And he goes, seriously, where is Tim Duncan? You know, because because Tim Duncan's not in the news anymore. He's not around interviewing. He's just on a Wasn't ranch somewhere, probably. Tim Duncan was from the uh, Virgin Islands. I'm sure he just went back to the Virgin Islands. It's just there's only like nine people there. So no one runs into it. <laughs> well, yeah, there were maybe Jets in the Virgin Islands then, too. 
Is Jed over there? Jed's like a dissident who who gets brought into the Politburo to keep him quiet. Wow. I, all right. Well, I didn't have any ideas for next <laughs> week's episode while we kill time waiting for Mount Brushmore in two weeks. Now, next week's episode will be a radio play about Jed as a dissident. Wow. Folded into the Politburo to keep him quiet. Tom, start writing now. Okay. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to dive into? Any any other character points or beats for Tom to work in, or? Mm. Well, make sure Alfaro's in there, preferably. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> honestly, now, so. well, you know, Alfaro has a certain, you know, like the just sort of mountain man. Uh, he he could pass as a Georgian, I think, in a. A drama about the early Soviet Union. So there's a lot to work so, with here. Give me, give me a position that the Cubs need to fill. I've got the free agent list up, and we'll we'll just take care of it right now. DJ, give you a free agent. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 no. A position, a position that the base. Cubs need to fill. Uh, center field. Center field. Center field. Well, I did say. Center, huh? Yeah, PCA man. Center field, okay. first base, DH. Okay, center field, Jackie Bradley Jr. Okay, keep going. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> base. And here I was worried we were going to be stuck with a light-hitting defense, no. defense first center fielder. No, not at all. Yeah, I don't Jackie, believe Crow Jackie's Armstrong. Jackie's on the job. Hey, at third, third base. Crow Armstrong, I think, had as many hits as Jackie Bradley last year. No, well, that's, that's good, not then. true. That's not true. Jackie yeah, Bradley had more. Zero. He played in the big leagues last season. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that. Yeah. Third base, we okay. get two good options. We got uh, Evan Lagoria, who's 38 years old. And he sure is. Walks he like me. First. He sure is. And uh, Mike Moustakis. Yes. Who's he's 38 got, years old. 35. And walks like Evan Longoria. He's got Stocky saying, right there in his name. I was saying first base, not old third baseman. <laughs> oh, 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 first base. First base is a no, little scary. Yeah. DJ's very comfortable with Patrick Wisdom at third. Now, please just tell us about first base so we can finish up. Luke Voigt. There you go. We are done. There you oh, go. yeah. He's a good locker room guy you want around. <laughs> Some guy named Mike Ford I've never heard of. Uh, Garrett Cooper I've never heard of. Yeah. You will. You okay. will. Yeah, you that's, will. That's what I'm afraid of. Those when guys starting at first and batting third for the Cubs. You'll you will have heard of him. I don't want to frighten any of you, but uh, Garrett Cooper could not be more nearly perfectly this year's Trey Mancini than he is. He is just exactly in his career where Trey Mancini was one year ago, minus the cancer. You know, um, I assume that he is not a Cubs fan who dressed up in a Matt Clement goatee one time, but otherwise he's basically just Trey Mancini. So I was not going to say that or Hosmer. They're both still on the list. I wasn't going to say their names, but you did it. Cooper already invoked Tucker Barnhart. The damage was done long ago on this episode. DJ declared it depressing about half an hour ago. and We just kept going. I don't (laughs) Gluttons for punishment. (laughs) I do feel better. Well, there you go. DJ yeah. feels better, everyone. We made it. Good. Okay. There we go. One All out right. of four ain't bad. Next week, 
Jed, we're Next reviewing you on the fires, and then we'll have that radio play about uh, Jorge Alfaro as Stalin. See you later. Maybe and maybe we should do a performance review of Judd.